This is episode 19 with Hans Higeman. Welcome to Men of Abundance, the podcast for those looking to level up their lives by hanging out with some of the greatest leaders and established professionals in our community, living a life of integrity, honor, and the abundance mentality. Prepare to pay it forward with your host, former army medic turned lifestyle entrepreneur, Wally Carmichael. Aloha, men of abundance. Once again, I get the opportunity to introduce you to another amazing man in our community who has amazing accomplishments in his life already and is definitely living a life of abundance. And as I said before, you definitely want to go check out Men of Abundance show notes. When you go to menofabundance.com, click on podcast and all of the shows are listed there. Click on any one of those and you'll be able to check out the show notes where there are timestamps where you're going to be able to time travel directly to the part of the show that you want to listen to. You also have the tweet stamps there. You have other resources you can check out and everything at your fingertips right there in the show notes. I am very happy with the show notes. They are going to be evolving over time. I've got some graphics guys working on the site that are going to put some new graphics up there for our show notes. I like what I'm seeing now. I like the flow of the show notes, but just wait until you see what we're doing with these new graphics. I am very proud of what we've built so far, and it's all for you. So go check it out. Our guest today, Hans Hageman, gets much more into his background in just a minute. But I do want to mention that Hans attended Princeton University and Columbia University School of Law. His law practice included work as a prosecutor, chief counsel to the U.S. Senate subcommittee, and as a defense attorney. In the 90s, he shifted his mission to working with underserved children, which I absolutely love. This led to the creation of the Eastern Harlem School at Exodus House. His work there was honored with an Essence Magazine Award and the Robin Hood Foundation Heroes Award, among others. It also brought him national media coverage from CNN, New York Times, People Magazine, and all the major television networks. Hans has gone on to found two other schools, one that worked with teens who had left the public school system, and another in India that educates poor Hindu and Muslim girls. During this time, he also worked as a consultant with the Baltimore Police Department, where he created programs in leadership and communication skills. Now, one of the amazing stories that he tells is his story about his negotiations with drug dealers to keep drugs out from the front of one of his schools. Wait until you hear that story. Hans, welcome to the show. Thank you, Wally. I'm glad to be here. Where are you at in the world today? I am in a place called Pine Island, New York, which is about 65 miles northwest of New York City. I have not been down there at all. I've got some uh, family on my wife's side in New York, two uncles and an aunt, and uh, I, I just got to get to New York. It's a beautiful place. <laughs> well, let me know when you do. Oh, absolutely. I certainly will, without a doubt. So... Uh, I gave a little bit of your information before we got started with the show to Men of Abundance, but I want to hear it from you, and I'd like to hear a little bit more about your background and kind of a little bit about what you're going on now, because we'll get more into that in the show, but let's get a little bit personal. Well, I grew up in a section of of New York called Harlem, Uh, and when I was growing up in the... the, uh, 60s and 70s it was it was a tough place less so now but it was a tough place then my my parents had started and run a, a drug treatment center and that's actually where we had our apartment so we lived in the building and right below us 
were about 50 guys who lived there who had been referred by uh, after release from prison or who were Vietnam veterans, and, and that informed a, a lot of my childhood. Well, I'm sure there are. We don't have the time for on this show, but I'm sure there are a lot of stories from that time oh, yeah. of your life. Yes. Wow. And then so, as part of, I'm sorry, well, no, no, also I just, just wanted to add as well, uh, you know, my, my parents, my father was um, a white man from Nebraska. My mother was a black woman from Chicago. And that, that created some additional uh, challenges for them in terms of being in love at a time where it wasn't popular to be in love and, and being from two different races. And my father had marched and been jailed on a few occasions with uh, Dr. Martin Luther King. And so they were very committed to service in general. And that's kind of also informed my life. I'm sure it did in, in so many ways. My goodness, yeah, I can certainly. It's, it's got issues today, yes. uh, without a doubt, in certain parts of the nation for sure. I've got a good friend of mine who I've known for years, white guy from South Texas, married a black woman, and they're just the most awesome people, uh, but he just can't go home. Yeah, and it's, yep. it's just a yep. sad, just, just sad, and it's just ignorant. It really is, yeah. Yeah, so I'm sure that shaped you quite a bit and uh, made you the man you are today. I bet it really has, and it's it's one of the reasons why I'm living where I'm living now. It's it's uh, I've got kids who grew up in Harlem, but uh, you know they're still like my youngest two are still young enough to, to to learn even more about life, and you know they they look different from the people in this essentially farming community that we now live in. But it, they're going to have to learn how to navigate that. Uh, I think we've been told a lot of lies about who we are in terms of our differences. And people ignore the, the, the many things that we have, more than the things that we have in common. Uh, and, and I want them to understand that. And this is one way of doing it by living here. Okay. So I'm sure you've got quite a few, but I would like to get into that, that deepest story, one of, the, one of the biggest kick in the gut moments that you've experienced, either on a personal level or on a professional level, uh, but something that really has um, been a significant emotional event in your life. Uh, this, this combines both the personal and, and the professional. Uh, you know, I had been a, a lawyer and started schools and done all that. And I was actually one of the highest paid nonprofit executive directors in New York. And at, at the end of 2008, which also coincided with the height of, of the economic downturn, um, my board of directors did something that, uh, was out of integrity and, and, and lacking in honesty. And as part of my moral code, I don't let stuff like that go. And I told them that if they didn't change what was happening, I was going to quit. And I didn't have any backup plans, no job waiting for me. I had uh, kids in college and kids private school and a, a mortgage. Uh, they would not change it. They, they said, look, if you just stay quiet about it, we'll pay you more money. And I said, that's not the deal. So at the uh, beginning of 2009, uh, I quit my job, as I said, with no prospects. And my wife and I started a fitness uh, center because uh, we had to pay the bills. And we, we did okay. But, but again, with a mortgage, private school tuition, and college tuition, it wasn't enough. And so what ended up happening is that uh, our home was, uh, we got noticed that we were going to be foreclosed on. And um, I wasn't sure what we were going to do. And um, it, 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 I, it, it my whole identity had been wrapped up in being successful, being an attorney, having two Ivy League degrees, doing all these things that worked. And here it was that I was going to be on the street with my family because of something I had done, um, regardless of, 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 the, of the intentions. And um, 
you know, getting that court notice, knowing that we had a limited time uh, to, to stay in that house actually brought me to the brink of considering was I more valuable to my family alive or dead. So if you don't mind my asking, and you don't have to get into specifics about the specific uh, organization you was working for, but what was the issue? I had started, uh, among my other roles, um, I, it was 350 employees, $14 million budget, and one of the things I thought we needed was, was a high school for kids who had not been successful in public school. And so I created that, and for, for five years it was going well, and, and these kids uh, went on service trips to Nicaragua, Senegal, Ghana, and other places. Uh, they turned their lives around. I had gang members in the same classrooms with kids who had been bullied. Um, for a variety of reasons, all coming together, working together, and it was, a, it was like a, a family. My board said, we think that this is not on mission. We know we said we would support you, um, but we want kids who are higher performing, who are going to more prestigious colleges, and you need to keep this to yourself, but we're going to be shutting the high school down at the end of the year. And um, I told them that I was going to make that public and that I wouldn't stay good for you seriously good for you to make it out like ivy league kids or wherever their background is coming from deserves anything more than any other kid that's in our community is just wrong and what you were doing exactly is exactly. amazing i mean i was an equal opportunity advisor for the pacific regional medical command for three years wow um and even before that i was i wouldn't say i was involved in civil rights movement or or equal opportunity type uh, stuff, but I just knew what was right and what was wrong. Mm -hmm. And I, and throughout my life and my younger years, I know I saw stuff that I overlooked mm -hmm. in the mm -hmm. army uh, and in civilian sector. And I, I saw it and I overlooked it and I just let it go throughout the course of my life. I've, I've changed that behavior, uh, but it takes a lot to stand up to a corporation and the lively, you know, the, what the livelihood of your family and, and take that, make that decision, take that stand. So good for you. Thank you. And I have mixed feelings about it because there are people who said, you know, you should be more responsible. It, it almost uh, it, it broke up my marriage. Uh, but but I also knew that, that I had been gifted with, with certain talents and skills. And, you know, if, if, if I couldn't put this educational pedigree to use and, and make a go of it, then, then what good was it in the first place? Um, as, and, and if I could maintain my integrity, that was important. And it was also a lesson for my children as well. And I see these kids from the high school and we stay in touch on Facebook. And, you know, a couple of them have actually gone on to get their PhDs in, 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 in counseling, psychology. Uh, others have gone on to the Marines and, and, and done overseas tours. Uh, others are, are working in the construction trades. And so I have no doubt that I ultimately at the end did the right thing, despite the pain that it caused my, my immediate family. Yeah, exactly. And to give you a little bit more my, about my background, I haven't even shared this with Men of Abundance just yet, so this is a first, I think. Um, but I grew up in uh, southwest Phoenix, Arizona, and the high school I went to, Carl Hayden High School, uh, was predominantly Hispanic. It was about mm -hmm. maybe 5 or 10% Caucasian. And those kids you're talking about mm -hmm. are the kids that I grew up with, the kids that you look on my Facebook those are the kids that I grew up with. In fact, the movie um, that George Lopez is in, Spare Parts. Yes, yes. That's my high school. Wow. That's where I graduated wow. from. Yeah. Wow. So to give, there's just brilliant, brilliant people out there, man, and in and, and every community. And if they yes. strive to 
get an education. Most of them really just want direction, which is right. one of the reasons why I joined the military because mm-hmm. I needed direction. I needed discipline. And most of them really want that. They thrive for that. And you were giving them that opportunity, and then this this organization was going to tear that away from them. Just amazing what you did. Well, thank you. And and, and, and that's, you know, th- there are so many divisions in, in, in society now that, that people play up to. But regardless of race, uh, regardless of religion and so forth, as I said, there are so many things that we have in common. And as you say, people are looking for, for meaning and, 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 and the ability to be useful and, and direction. And when they find that, all of a sudden, all these, all these barriers that we have between us kind of evaporate if you can find a like-minded community. Agreed. Agreed. So what was that? I mean, that was probably your enough enough moment. Um, what was the point to where you just finally made the decision? Because I know it wasn't an easy decision, but what was the, cam- the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak, the pivot point that made you make that decision to basically quit quit your job and go off and do you didn't even know what? No, well, and, 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 and it, it, that point come, came a little after where we had to make a decision. You know, I had, again, one of the things that I had defined myself by was, you know, my being a, a New Yorker, by being from Harlem. But if we were going to avoid <laughs> being homeless, we, we had to make some tough decisions. And the decision that we made was, you know, our dream had been to own a brownstone in, in New York, and, and that's what we had done. Um, but we also knew that we needed to sell it, and our lives were going to have to take a different direction. And we sat down and I got beaten up a little bit for it by my wife. Um, but I said, look, this is an adventure. It's a chance to accept new challenges and learn new things and, and, and be in another place. So with great difficulty emotionally, um, not financially, because in the real estate market, we, we hit that at the right time. We yeah. sold our brownstone and, and moved what is that? to this. What is, what is a brownstone? It's uh, in New York. It's, I guess the term comes from the fact that it was originally made from, from brown stone. <laughs> um, but they're usually four to five story uh, townhouses uh, that are usually single family owned. Sometimes you rent out a, a, a rental space. Um, but, but they're... they're it, they're, they go for seven figures in, in Manhattan and, and Brooklyn, and um, they're tough to come by. You can't find you can't find any for sale. Yeah. Um, okay, so I learned something new today. My day's complete. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's that's what it was. I mean, we we made the decision to move, and, and and it turned out financially, socially, spiritually, a lot of other things. I think to to, to be the best for us. Uh, you know, my kids are growing up in a rural environment where they can. My young, I, I have adult kids who are out of the house, but these, the two youngest, they're able to, to go out um, without real fear for their safety and do stuff like ride their bikes and, and, and wander around the woods and play with the dogs and, and, and do those kinds of things and, and, and meet farmers who, who are producing the food that they eat. And it, 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 making the sale, yeah, we were no longer able to define ourselves as homeowners in New York, which got us some 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 cachet and, and, and some social status, but we were able to clear all our debts, put money in the bank, uh, buy two cars with cash, um, and, 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 and again, be in a more beautiful, more peaceful place. So it, it, it worked in a lot of different ways. Divine intervention is what I call that, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it certainly took you to a better place. I mean, Absolutely. Your, your kids are being raised in an environment that most always say, dang, I wish my kids had it like kind of like I did growing up. And while they probably don't have it like you did in the environment you are growing up in, but they're working and they're in, in the environment and they're just doing things that most kids just really aren't engaged in. 
That's right. No, that absolutely. And, and it gave me an opportunity to to then, you know, we, we shut down our fitness studio, which which we'd been doing well, just just not well enough to pay six thousand dollar a month mortgage and uh, fifty thousand dollar a year in, co- year in college and, and so forth. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I then said, let me take all these skills that I learned by starting these different schools, raising millions of dollars for them, starting this fitness business that we ran successfully for four years. And, and, and let me go on a path and, and, and learn how to help small businesses businesses as as the marketer and copywriter and storyteller and and so I reinvented myself that way I no longer had to define myself as this Ivy League lawyer or nonprofit executive okay so before we get more into exactly what you're doing right now today uh, to support your family and be abundant in your life I want to hear a little bit about just briefly about your journey about going going from Harlem to being a very high-paid attorney, uh, and and a little bit about that journey. How did that work out? We we always knew growing up in the community we grew up in that that it, it was just by virtue of birth we had advantages that other kids in the community didn't have, and and I don't think me, my brother or sister took any of that that lightly. Um, so we always knew, and we were told by our parents. Our parents. We're never big on buying us new clothes. We actually wore a lot of hand-me-down clothes. But one thing that they would never begrudge us was, was books. And so no matter what the book was, no matter the topic of the book, they would buy us books. So we had that whole world opened up to us along with the, the men that lived right below us and the 100 men and women who came in during the day for counseling and vocational training. And during the day, we would go off to private schools. You know, So we would have our jacket and ties in in a community where a lot of people didn't wear jackets and ties to work um and and we did that through high school we were fortunate enough to get scholarships to to these you know colleges and 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 meet a law school my brother to to you know master's degree in education uh from harvard and but we knew we had a responsibility to other people that that didn't have it like we had it and so I always knew that law for me was going to be a vehicle where I could bring justice to people who, who, who needed justice. And that didn't turn out, you know, I ended up at a, at, a, at a large law firm because I needed to pay certain student loans. Um, and because that's what my other friends in law school were doing. I did that, worked in, in, in um, mortgage-backed securities. And eventually my mother said, well, I don't understand what you're doing. You said you were going to be a lawyer to serve people. I don't see how you're doing that. And I... I thought about that. Uh, and, and then I decided to become uh, move over to become a prosecutor. And it was at a very difficult time in New York City where the homicide rate, I think it was 2,000 homicides in the first year I became a prosecutor, um, which had set a record and continued to set records through the uh, late, late 80s, early 90s. Um, and I, I worked in Washington for a Republican senator and, and served as a, as a, as a, um, chief counsel to the, what is it, the subcommittee on the uh, Constitution for the Judiciary Committee. It's a long title. Yeah, <laughs> and, and like they said, you don't, you know, the two things you don't want to see, one of them is sausage being made, the other is law. And, and Washington and I only got along for that year because it, that, that was really disheartening uh, to see the cynicism and the nastiness and the pettiness uh, and the money that was involved in the laws that get made for us. Um, and so I, I came back and I also had to come back because my parents were in, in poor health uh, and I needed to make some decisions about my professional path. And my father had had a stroke, uh, a near fatal stroke. Um, 
and my mother had uh, been diagnosed with Parkinson's. And so they were still living in the residential drug treatment center, but my mother was winding that down and they were going to have to live somewhere. And I wanted to keep them in the place that they had basically built with their blood and sweat and tears. And so I said, you know what? I've been a, in the Big Brother program. I mentored kids uh, while I was in college from the local community. Um, I, I'm good at this education stuff. So I decided that I was going to uh, start a school. And, you know, I had no education background, you know, in terms of formal training. I didn't have any money to start the school, but I knew I needed to keep my parents in that building. And so I went to a couple of people, right? And, and, and what I tell young people now is make sure you have your network and that you maintain your network. And part of my network was a guy who was a professional backgammon and poker player. Uh, and he said, if you can find $25,000, I will match the $25,000 to get you started with the school. So I then went to a guy who, was a couple, who had been a couple of years behind me in school, and he happened to be uh, the son of, of the late president, uh, so John Kennedy Jr. And he had just joined a foundation called the Robin Hood Foundation and took my case to their board and got us the $25,000. So I had my $50,000 to start a school before charter legislation or anything else. It was an independent school, middle school for kids who had not had success in public school. And uh, I ran that, and I, I was up at five in the morning. I had to take care of my parents, bring my father down four flights in his wheelchair uh, to his medical appointments, and then open up the school. And I, I had hot breakfast for the kids. You know, we had it wasn't a huge school at the time; it was about sixty kids. But I had a hot breakfast for them every day. Uh, I made lunch every day. I had to clean the sewers, and in the meantime, I had to shoo people from in front of the building who were selling drugs. And that activity eventually, my brother then joined me, and my saying that you can no longer sell drugs on this block uh, got a contract out on both my brother and both my brother and I had contracts taken out on our lives. And for a while, we carry we wore body armor in the summer, and I had a, a license to uh, carry a firearm. Um, and the police were very. I appreciate their honesty. They said, "Look, we can give you a twenty-four hour a day guard, but you know that." Ultimately, you're going to have to be responsible for your safety. And I appreciated that honesty. Mm -hmm. um, and so we were eventually able to, to, <laughs> to, to work through that. Uh, the, the, the local family, there were three brothers who ran the drug traffic on that block. And they said, look, we're getting a lot of pressure from a lot of places. Um, what do you need to make this work? I said, you cannot sell drugs in front of the school. Real simple. And to their credit, they enforced that um, for the next several years. Now the block has changed uh, completely, 20 whatever years, three years, four years, whatever it is now, later, uh, my brother has a, a brand new $25 million building, he's running the school now, um, but it was very trying times and I, I moved on to, to lead some other nonprofit organizations. Man, you are a busy man and you have your hands in so much stuff, but one of the things I want to point out that I get from that, amongst many other things, but one thing I want Men of Abundance to get is... Your network is your net worth. Yes. And those people that you had in your life that you had befriended or even acquainted with uh, obviously came through for you. One way or another, things would have worked out, I'm sure. That's just the way it happens when you have such drive like you do. But it was easier because you had that network. Uh, and then, of course, you, goodness, you're networking with the, with the drug dealers. And... That made a huge difference as well. Who you were, 
who you are is the reason why they were willing to have that conversation with you and honor your request. Well, and I'm glad you picked that up because I could have looked at them as just inhuman vermin doing what they did. They were trying to survive like everybody else, uh, and, and they didn't have the same options I had to survive. Um, but I talked to them as human beings, and, and they, we respected each other as that. Impressive. Very impressive. So let's get a little bit more into what you're doing right now. Well, right now, it, I, I never, and I, I <laughs> this is also interesting, and I, I tell the, the millennials <laughs> that I, I come in contact with frequently that, you know, you can be passionate about a particular profession, but don't let it blind you to, to you know, what your purpose is and could be. And, and there are many vehicles. So for me, it had always been law, right? And then it was going to be education. And I was never going to leave that until I had to leave that. And uh, then I, as I said, I, I took stock of the skills that I had developed along the path and said, you know what, sales and marketing, while I had never thought about it as a, as a career or profession, were things that I had done throughout my career. You know, so, so, so whether it was the persuasion techniques that I needed to work with these drug dealers so I wasn't going to get into shooting match or whether it was raising the millions of dollars that I needed at this one youth organization to keep it uh, going, uh, those were all things that, that could help small business. And the older I've gotten, the more passionate, and the more I've seen, um, the more passionate I have become about small business. And, and I believe that small business is, is going to be one of the things that, that saves this country. And so if small businesses that provide value are going to survive, particularly in communities like the one I'm in now, um, they need to get their word out. They need to have people learn about their brand. They need to have people choose them over all the other probably more highly financed competitors in the business. So I've worked with local businesses that include um, uh, some local farmers here, a farm and garden store, uh, somebody who is uh, trying to upcycle uh, glass that, that fills the, the, the local junkyards uh, to people who are putting out uh, products that will provide clean water for, you know, for, for, for people around the world, uh, restaurants, small restaurants that are farm to table. Uh, so I help them get their message out and help them uh, tell a better story. One of the things that you said when you first started talking about that was that you didn't see yourself as a salesperson and you realized that you were in fact selling. And that's one of the conversations I have quite often with people. They'll come to me and they'll say, Hey Wally, I need to figure out a way to make a couple extra hundred dollars a month or a couple thousand dollars a month or whatever it is. And I'll start going through this conversation and asking them, you know, what are your skills? What, what do you have to offer? What value do you have mm -hmm. to offer the, the, the marketplace? And they say, well, I got this product that I, you know, these things I can do woodwork, I can do whatever. But the thing is, is I can do that stuff, but I just can't sell. Mm -hmm. And I was mm -hmm. like, well, you, you kind of have a misunderstanding of what sales is because you're selling me right now. You're trying to sell me on helping you to right. get your product out or and make a few extra bucks. That's sales. You're just simply having a conversation. Mm -hmm. And then you're educating people on your product or you're educating people on your services or you're educating people on whatever it is that you feel that you're, you're skilled at. Sales has a very bad, you know, when people think sales, they're thinking of that sticky car salesman <laughs> right. waiting for you on the lot, you know, and as That's soon right. as you step right. on the lot, you're swarmed by five car salesmen and they're all fighting over your, your time and your service and your money. And that's, that's right. just not, 
that's that's bad sales. It is. It <laughs> that is, is it bad is. sales. That is not sales in the in the sense that you and I know it. Well, and 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 doing you know looking at just some of the the small examples, and and they're you know they're not small to the people that I helped. So it was the farm and garden center, and the the couple, the married couple that was struggling, and they had a child on the way, and they were trying to move out of their house. And so some of the things we did in terms of creating a website for them, getting the word out, bringing in new customers, allowed them to move into a bigger place, and allowed them to have the best year that they had had in the five years that they had been in business, uh, or the restaurant that had opened up, uh, and 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 nobody could find nobody literally could find the restaurant in this small town because it was on a side street. So. I, I, I provided them with a video, set them up with a Facebook page, let them get out. And again, they, they are now one of the, the, the most popular restaurants in, in this region of, of the Hudson Valley in New York. Uh, and, 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 and to be able to change families' lives like that, for me, it's, 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 it's really powerful. And that bad taste that you, know, you were talking about that people have with sales and marketing you know, no longer exists for me because I realize the power that it can bring to, to, to really important endeavors. Yes, and you're taking it to a whole different level because what you're doing is you're setting them up in today's world. It has changed so much, but simply any business that does not have a website and maybe, I don't know about Twitter as much, but a a Facebook group Mm -hmm. or a Facebook fan page, at the minimum that... And maybe some there's an app out there. Well, the, well, there's 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 Yelp and and, and yeah. the different review sites. Yeah, there you go, there you go. The the Yelps and the different review sites and whatnot. That type of stuff is absolutely critical for a business, especially those mom and pop type businesses in yes. small places. Because and then to have some simple little sign. I saw this the other day. They had this like frame where you could hold a frame around. You could hold up a frame. Somebody else could take a picture of you, and it had the company information with the hashtag company. Mm-hmm. And they were taking a picture and then they're posting that on Instagram and bam, you're you're out to the world. Wow. And wow. you hashtagged it. And so when anybody's hashtagging hot dogs in that area, they mm-hmm. find it. Yep. You know, or whatever the case may be. So yep. that's an excellent service that you're providing to these companies. They have no idea that this is even an option for them. But and, and Wally, it took it took a mindset shift for me, because as I said, I had and I see so many people continue to do it. They define themselves by the stuff that they have or the schools that they went to or, or, or the job title that they've been given. And, and it, you know, it, 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 it took a mental leap for me to say, you know what, there are other things more important if I'm going to be of service. Right. Yeah. Good on you. That's awesome. All right. So we're at the point to where we're going to pay it forward. Are you ready for that? Absolutely. Sweet. All right, Abundant Leaders, I know some of you are looking for a side hustle. Many of you are not, and that's cool. But I always recommend some sort of a side hustle, some way to make a little bit of extra income or a lot of extra income depending on what you want to do and how much time you have to put into something. The tax benefits alone of starting some sort of side hustle from your home should be incentive enough, but you don't want to start a side hustle for tax purposes alone. The perfect business, in my opinion, is one that solves a problem and fills a need and makes you a profit at the same time, something you will enjoy doing. Now, many people that I talk to, just like many of the guests that I've had on this show, end up doing something they had no idea they would enjoy doing. And why is that? It's because they tested the waters. They did something out of the norm and they realized this is amazing. I never knew this opportunity was here. 
I'm going to follow through with this and I'm going to find out more about it and I'm going to learn this and master this. So I'm going to give you something that you can look at and seriously for a very limited time, only a couple more weeks, you will be able to get an inside look absolutely free at this brand new technology company. Now it is a technology company. It is in the technology industry and in the travel industry, but you do not have to be technically inclined to participate and to partner with this company. So you can take it for a test drive, and the way that you can do that is to either go to the show notes of this episode or go to menofabundance.com, click on the resources tab, scroll down to side hustle, and click on the Hodo logo. (laughs) That sounds funny. Click on that logo. It's going to take you to a two and a half minute video. Watch that video and then join so that you can see if this side hustle is what you've been looking for. Now let's get back to the show. So give men of abundance one to three actionable steps that they can take today either in their personal life or in their professional life. I think one of the things that's important for anybody and I needed to do it at some point is to determine what your top three values are. For me, it, it's, it's uh, creativity, it's freedom, and service. And once I was able to figure that out and make those clear and write them up and have them in front of me, the decisions that I then made for, for my career, and even my relationships, uh, if I ran them through that filter, I found out that I wasn't going to be able to, to be led, led astray or off track. So, so that's one. The other thing is, and I'm still working on this, is to take responsibility for everything that happens in your life. We all have difficult situations and difficult people that come into our lives, and, and we obviously want to limit those. But rather than focus on the bad, the evil, the problems that somebody is causing for you, if you reframe that and ask yourself, what, what lesson am I supposed to learn for this person who was put in, into my life? And, and if you look at the person as, as a teacher, however unpleasant the lesson may be, and if you look at them as a teacher, I- instead of somebody who's uh, there to cause you pain, uh, your, your view of how you move through the world is, is, is going to be uh, very different. And then the third is in any activity, and it's tough to do with all the distractions we have in our lives, but if, if at different points during the day we're on Facebook or watching television or Netflix or whatever, if we're able to ask ourselves and have a good answer to the question of, is what I'm doing right now leading to a richer, more meaningful life? And if we're able to answer yes to that question, we're on the right track. If it's no, then we don't have to judge ourselves, but we need to understand that we're making a choice. Very good point. I call those distractions weapons of mass distraction. <laughs> yes, I like that. Yeah. And you got to get those out of your life sometimes. And That's right. There's actually uh, programs you can put on your computer to shut down Facebook and all social media so you can get done what you need to get done if what you're getting done is on the computer. So right. very good because sometimes getting getting done what you need to get done is simply taking your son to the park. That's right. That's uh, right. What daily habits make the biggest impact in your life? For me, it's in an outfield. If I don't, I get up and I'll have a, a minimum of, of 16 ounces of cold water. And if it's hot, pinch of sea salt every morning. So that's one. Uh, I, I, I'm done doing it every other day. I try, I'm going to make it an everyday habit, but writing three things that I'm grateful for um, as, as I look 
toward, towards the day. And that, that kind of sets me up to, to, to know that whatever else is happening, I have reason to be grateful. And then the third thing is, and it only takes five to 10 minutes, there's a thing called original strength. And I can't remember who, uh, Tim's, I, I can't remember his name, but um, it's a series of just movements that let your body know that you're going to be going through your day and you're not going to be static and it's okay for, for, for your nervous system to, to uh, you know, open up and, and, and release. And so it's a series of movements, very light uh, body movements, crawling, rolling, uh, alternating elbow to, to knee to get the day started, to let the body know that, you know what, you're not just a, a chauffeur for the brain. What book would you recommend to the Abundant Leaders and why? That is a tough one for me. And I, if I can, I'll give you two. I mean, I, I, have, um, I have 500 books on my Kindle and I have 1,000 uh, paper books in, in my library, much to my wife's chagrin. So it was hard for me to, to tear, narrow that. But, but one is The Slight Edge, and I can't remember the author's name. Um, but the other is by a guy named Bo Lozoff, L-O-Z-O-F-F, and it's titled We're All Doing Time. And why do you recommend that one? What is that one about? Uh, that one's about a guy who ended up in prison and the lessons that he learned there in terms of mindfulness, regret, uh, doing things differently. And his contention is that even if you're not behind physical bars, uh, we, we're, we're all, most of us have put ourselves in a prison of some sort and, and we need to wake up and, and, and take back our freedom. Um, so, so those are two. The other one is, is well, can I give you two more? Yeah, absolutely. And the slight <laughs> edge, that I, I know that one very well. I love that one. I've read it a couple of times and I have oh, another. Okay. That's Jeff Olson. Okay, there you go. There you go. Um, the other is, is, is uh, by Stephen Pressfield, uh, who, and, and a lot of people talk about uh, the war of art, but the one I like, I like that one. And, and, but the other one I'm recommending is something called Turning Pro. Uh, it, it's about figuring out how to create your life's work and taking responsibility for doing it. Uh, and then the other one is uh, it's a classic, and it's called Meditations um, by uh, Marcus Aurelius, who was a Roman emperor in, I guess, 120 to 180 or something. And so th this is a guy who was an emperor but has some very simple lessons and insights and wisdom that, that actually has proven really practical, and that's why it's still around, about coping with everyday adversity. Great. What I'll do is I'll look up the links to those books. And I'll have those in the show notes. That will be at menofabundance.com forward slash 019. Or you can just go to menofabundance.com and in the search block, just search Hans and you'll find this episode. And those books, the links to those books will be in the show notes. At the end of our 12-month anniversary, uh, what revenue Men of Abundance has generated, a portion of it is going to go to various charities. And what I always do is give my guests the opportunity to mention a charity that we would give to on your behalf. What charity would that be, Hans? Well, that's fantastic, and 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 the one I'd like to say is uh, mention is 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 called Jitegame, J I T E G E M E E, um, and it's an organization that I served as the uh, interim executive director for, and it works with street children in in Kenya, and uh, with everything going on in the world, I mean, I've seen firsthand the work that they do, and the kids that they take off the street if they weren't in this program they become recruits for for some of the um, 
terrorist organizations that are operating in that part of the world. And, and Jitegame does a wonderful job at getting these kids on a path uh, to, to productivity. That is really paying it forward, for real. I mean, that is definitely paying it forward generations ahead. That's pretty awesome. So I have one more question for you before we close this up, and that is, what does living a life of abundance mean to you? It's a combination, I think, of a couple things for me. Uh, it's, it's having the discipline to, to live by your values, but then also finding what I think is our natural state of joy and using it as a vehicle to, to be of service to others. Beautiful. So let's close this up. And before you go, leave us with some um, parting piece of guidance, something for us to kind of ponder for the rest of the day. And any way that we can get in contact with you and find out more about what you're doing. Yeah, great. There, there are a couple things. You know, one is people need to work, in my opinion, on on self acceptance uh, more so than than, than self esteem. And as 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 we go through life and, and and run up against an obstacle, rather than focusing on the obstacle and and the bad things that may come from us confronting it, is asking ourselves. What's the one thing I can do right now to make this situation better? Uh, and that, that, that changes the focus and reframes things. And uh, in terms of reaching me, um, I, one of the things that has, has really informed my life is, has, has been fitness. And from the days of my father doing his Royal Canadian Air Force exercises and Jack Lane to these guys coming out of prison and saying, you know, this is, these are the workouts that we do. It, it's been a big part of my life. It, it, I was a personal trainer, and that paid for my law school. Um, it helped me when I was going through uh, air assault school in Fort Campbell, Kentucky, and you know, uh, the, the Army officer basic program in Fort at Fort Bragg. Um, it helped me when I quit my job and we needed to start a fitness uh, program. So uh, at HansHageman.com forward slash M O A for men of abundance, um, if people go there um, and then they give me their address, I, can, I will send them a coupon code to a fitness uh, video that my wife and I did uh, that we normally sell for, for $30 on, on Gumroad, but I'll give it to uh, the men of abundance uh, listeners for free. It was, you know, they'll, they'll, I'll give them the code and they can do that. And hopefully, if they haven't already made it a part of, of their practice, they can figure out how in 20 minutes a day with their own body weight, uh, they can take better control of their health. Outstanding. I appreciate that. And I'm personally going to take you up on that because Great. I like to change it up. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm of the mindset of uh, Tony Horton and guys like that where I like mm. muscle confusion. I don't like yes. doing the same thing over and over again for too long. I'm with you. Especially at my age now. Uh, I'm not that <laughs> old, but um, army, army years are definitely longer than regular years. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So I appreciate that, and I appreciate all the wisdom that you shared with us. I truly appreciate what you're doing for our community and for communities around the world. I thank you personally for that, and I look forward to talking with you in the future. I'm sure we'll have you back on the show at some point in time, and uh, we're at least going to stay in touch. I, I really hope so, and, and Wally, thank you for what you're doing. I mean, you're, you're cr creating an incredible service for the community to get voices that would otherwise be unheard out there. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Have an awesome day, Hans. You do the same. What another amazing conversation with another amazing man in our community. Now, I hope you received the message from that conversation. And the message that I got is you absolutely must stick up for your values and stick up for others. Even though it's going to cost you and your family quite a bit initially, 
ultimately it's going to pay off and it's going to show the character that you are and bring much more into your life than you could have ever imagined. This is definitely an episode worth sharing, so I hope you will be abundant in your life today and share this with as many men that you feel need to hear this message. Once again, men of abundance, that's all I have for you today. Now go out and live your life of abundance and don't forget to pay it forward. Aloha. That's all for today, Abundance Leaders. For more about our guests and the powerful information we shared with you today, be sure to sign up for our mailing list at menofabundance.com. We appreciate your time and look forward to hanging out with you on our next episode. So until then, be sure to pay it forward and live your life of abundance.